Gaming and BS, episode 267, being recorded Monday, post Game Con, November 4th, 2019. Welcome to Gaming and BS Tabletop RPG Podcast. I am always the big Kalbowski. And I am Brett, the guy who doesn't dress up for Halloween, disappoints everybody. Oh. Nice to have you all here. I see you did. For, you did. Yes, yes. Now, if it makes you feel any better, Sean, after you found another gamer who's dressed up as Walter, I felt. I did. I, I, did, I felt. I felt guilty. So, yes. Randy so, Price. Yeah, I know. He's a well-known guy, I guess. I, I, hmm. I, I did not know Randy until Game Hole Con. I think until somebody proved, might until have pointed, proved to you that he's more game than I am. Well, I thought I think somebody pointed him out prior to Game Hole Con and mentioned him by name, and then it was, of course, put on the back burner. And then when I actually ran into him, uh, very nice guy. Actually, had a conversation with him after the fact, like a couple of days later at the con. And uh, yeah, super nice guy. I think he's down in the Kentucky area and has his own game company. And so some of the folks that know Randy will probably be like, "Duh, yeah, uh huh, I know Randy. He's cool." Well, I'll tell you, man. Speaking of speaking of GameholeCon, we would be rem- we're not gonna be able to name all the names, oh but but holy shit, the BSers who turned out, some amazing people, all sorts of states, places, flew in, drove in, locals, people that made it. Jeff showed up. Jeff. Jeff showed up to drop some Sean Bow. Jeff showed up. That was awesome. Is there anybody else here? How many companions do you have? Where are they at? What's going on? Answer me! How's that? Yeah, Jeff was, uh, Jeff was there. He and, after by me- and after meeting Jeff in person, that's Jeff, man. That's, that's 100% him, and I want a game and a table with Jeff. Yeah. 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 But there were, we, had, <clears throat> we had awesome gamers running games under our banner. We had people, uh, BSers, who just who ran games, as I said. They just stopped by and said hi and totally just shot the shit with us for a while. We had super cool people just saying, hey, uh, you know, long-time listener, first time at GameOcon, this is really cool. Had a few of those. I had BSers stop by and buy my book. People who actually had the PDF and didn't get a hardcover, because, hard copy because, like, ah, I figured you'd have one here. I'm like, wow, thank you very much. Um, we even had, uh, we had some people do some incredibly nice things for us. Jerry Garcia, one of our listeners made some, um, <clears throat> Sean and I, a, um, a pink board. If anybody knows what that is from uh, in the housing installation space, a train, one inch squares, some underground looking trains, some badass stuff. I've already got a good, I think I got us use for that in my next D campaign. That's really cool. And Laramie Wall gifted us with a, uh, with a bottle of fine consumables. That was very nice. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it. Honestly, the the coolest part, as always, is the community. I think uh, the men and women that are uh, friends of ours through the show that we've met and we've got to game with and run games for us and game with us, y'all are awesome. It's just uh, it's very humbling every every time we go out. Yeah, thank you. That and that's for all y'all because that was that's amazing. I had a <clears throat> on a personal note, I had a tremendous amount of support for uh, my Avalon setting. Uh, VC Young was uh, helping pimp my book when I had to go run a game. He was at the booth. Somebody stopped by. Uh, I think they thought he was me. <laughs> and they came back and bought a book. <laughs> it was great. Um, but yeah, it was really, really cool. I had Darcy Ross stop by and bought a book for me. I almost fell over. That was crazy. Um, and I uh, met some really, really kick-ass people just across the game sphere. So, man, just hell of a good time. Hell of a good time. 
Anybody particular you want to shout out there, Sean? Oh, <laughs> no, me. there's plenty of. Yeah, I, we can't name them all. Which is can't not name happen. them all. No, I did. I did meet Ken Height for the first time. Ken's a good dude. And Win Will Hindmarch, and I I know Will from a distance, uh, so it was good to meet him face to face. And Ken was um, as humble as I've ever seen and heard. <laughs> and for for any of you that have met Ken, that is sheer sarcasm. Ken's got an opinion. He's not afraid to share it. He <laughs> he is not humble. <clears throat> no, he knows what he does. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Well, it was fun guy. talking fu- to him for just a few minutes. But, oh yeah, uh, uh, that was you know amongst others, but you know, Ken, big fan, says he'd he'd be on he'd be willing to be on the show. I told him, I maybe call him. Yeah, so, maybe we 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 we're yeah. like hey hey hey, schedule's yeah. pretty full. We got some popular people coming. I don't know. I don't yeah. know where he'd fit in. Yeah, that's we'll, <laughs> we'll see. So yeah, <laughs> you and I have talked about that before. <laughs> people are like oh you should have so and so. Oh I want to be in a show. The number of people that will come up to us at the booth and say, you should have me on your show. I'll tell you right now, that's usually a turn off. <laughs> like, really? I should, should I? Who are you and what is it that you do? Um, you've never heard our show. You don't know what we're doing or our format, clearly, because the way you're talking to us right now. But <clears throat> all things considered, a lot of people within the gaming space, I totally get it, especially small press people and people are doing really cool things. There's, It's very difficult sometimes to get the word out. And to that point, I want to call this out. Sean, as always, the the smarter, more savvy dude than Brett when it comes to some of this businessy crap. He's like, so, you're going to get like an Avalon website, man? You're, you're going to do some stuff? You're going to get like a streetsofavalon.com or something, man? What are you going to do there? And I'm like, yeah, that's a damn good idea. I just literally have no idea how to do said thing. So I think I'm going to rope Sean here into helping me out. Talk to Phil Vecchio and Sean. I uh, slacked him. And he yeah. and I were chatting back and forth. He's like, that sounds like a damn fine idea if you guys are willing to do that. So they're all in, uh, encoded in support. So that's pretty cool. But yeah, we've got the my Master Archivist collection. Uh, the print-on-demand will be out and available. I know people who back the Kickstarter at the right level will get their coupons for the print-on-demand. Soft cover uh, only at this point. And yeah, I'm looking forward to getting one of those in my hot little hands. So that'll be nice. So at EverCon, I should have hard copies of my course setting book and then some hard copies of the archivist collection the uh the uh stretch goal stuff so that'll be neat but yeah i'm uh thinking we're twist sean's arm a little bit if you're still willing to that is sean and uh we'll get that going i think that'd be cool i think we can i think we can uh do something cool uh, and, and the other shameless promotion stuff is evercon.org we've got some bsers running games there uh cory win of course <laughs> that guy's a nut he always comes up with hey brett i got some stuff for your auction because we always have a charity auction a silent charity auction. So every year he gives me something to put in the auction, which always helps to drive up the drive up the revenue that they make for charity. And uh, he's going to be running some good stuff, <clears throat> excuse me, as well as other people that I've already mentioned on previous episodes. So more and more people. Kev said he's going to show up. A lot of good people. Uh, great. I mean, if they're BSers, obviously they're good people. So uh, I would love to have more and more of us there running games because I know everybody here um who's part of our clan we all know how to run games be nice to people get um kind of uh evangelize your game get people in it get people interested first time gamers first time to your system i think it'd be a great opportunity to do that so you know who i might actually uh, rob and julie might come in they'll be there yeah yeah rob came up to me goes hey man I need to be a special guest at your fucking show. A special guest? I'm like, Rob, what do you need to be a special guest for? He's we special. RPG. He said, you're, that's what I said. I said, well, you are special. 
Yes, and he I said, know. your RPG room was a little loud. I want to get a private room. I said, I, I already fixed that for you. He said, you did? I said, yeah, we moved it. The LARPers going to be the other end. We're going to put the RPGs in a more quiet section. Oh, then I'm coming. I'm coming for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I love Rob. He's a hoot. Anyway, enough about that, man. Shall we move on to uh, actually do the show type show? Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, it's Random Encounter. Random Encounter. We're groggy, aren't we, Sean? I got a little raspy voice. Still kind of hor- raspy. Mine wasn't too bad. I had a pretty mellow day at work. Yeah. I st- I overextended myself, as always. Well, I'll tell you what. How about I read the first one for you? I seem to have a little bit more energy Fine. than you. All right. So, random encounter. Trevor Davis wrote in about, now, hold it right there. BNS. Most mornings, I work out in my game room that doubles as my home gym. Usually, I don't listen to anything while lifting because my thoughts are crowded and confused enough without clutter from the outside world. This morning, though, I decided to listen to y'all's episode, now, hold it right there. It was really a mistake because you had me laughing out loud while trying to do deadlifts. <laughs> Great episode all around. Thanks for what you guys do. I'm assuming that's not good to do deadlifts to us. Don't do that. I would uh, I would say that's a bad idea. I wouldn't know. <laughs> I, don't, I stay away from heavy objects, especially if you have to do it over and over and over again. Oh, that just seems repetitively redundant. Seems Why would I keep lifting the same thing? I lifted it once. And deadlifts sounds yeah. not so good. Yeah, it sounds painful. It has kind of a negative connotation. It does. Well, he says his 12-year-old daughter, uh, Judah, walked in and listened to the whole thing with him. Uh, she wasn't interested in deadlifts, but she was very interested in what you had to say. We paused it several times to talk through the ideas you were bringing up. Judah mostly agreed with what was being said, but also thought there should be some distinction between selfish, rude behavior and imaginative, imaginative creative play. You can do anything if you get the right game, gaming group, and GM. We went on to discuss that the limitations are really the responsibilities each of us has to the other players at the table and the expectations each of us bring to the table. Players don't always get to choose the limits of the game, especially in one shot like Kojo's. It's important for them to be able to curb their expectations. Our little discussion shifted to the night our team, our teen D&D group went insane. Everyone played selfishly and foolishly, and by the end, the characters were all either dead, tarred and feathered, or on the run. It was awful for them and for me. The parents hang out in the living room on these evenings, drinking and chatting together. So I poured myself a Manhattan and went to talk with the adults. After explaining the craziness of the evening, I asked if they minded me being direct with their kids next time. Everybody was all for it. The next teen game night started with, ladies and gentlemen, you are not special. You are not beautiful or a unique snowflake. Oh, slap. He continues, I asked Judith if she thought that my pep talk fixed the problem. No, but it's better. We're learning. And some are just slower than others. To answer DM Kojo's question about whether this is a rising problem, I don't think so. Instead, teens are just people with very little experience who are learning how to get along in the complex world of humor interaction and emotion. When they make it to our table, it's on us more mature gamers to uh, model decency and thoughtfulness while also encouraging creativity within limits. They won't have it all figured out anytime soon. We'll have to be patient, but also willing to teach and correct. Shoot, I still need to be taught and corrected sometimes. Maybe I'll eventually get there. Keep on the awesome podcasting, Trevor. Well, Trevor, I can tell you, Kojo, being a teacher, is pretty uh, hes pretty savvy and uh, a good dude all around. But I love your thoughts, man. I think um, I am, I have to say to her, I am duly impressed that your 12-year-old daughter, Judah, you and she had this discussion and you guys went back and forth. That's pretty freaking cool, man. That's a, it's kind of a grown-up type of thing to talk to the kids about. So that's impressive. Good good job, man. That's, that's really neat. Probably got an introduction to an F-bomb or two. Probably. 
Oh, I don't know where. Probably. <laughs> yeah, Sean. Sean tends a, tends a little blue every once in a while. Sean <laughs> likes to work blue. I like to work blue. That's <laughs> yeah, all me. Yeah, mostly you. I try. It's that. Any thoughts on that one, Sean? No, I'm I'm impressed that uh, there's hope. There's there's with, hope be, with kids like Judah. There's hope for the future. That's all there's, I gotta say. There we go. Yeah. All right. What do we got next, man? Uh, Kojo. I think he calls in to clarify some things. Oh, that, very that cool. We might have had questions on. I'm pretty sure we screwed something up. Brett and Sean. Hey, it's Kojo. Hey, wanted to thank you guys for taking my previous voicemail about my son's birthday game and uh, create an episode around it. He got a kick out of it, uh, hearing you guys give advice about our specific situation. Just wanted to add a few more details because I know there's some questions that came up during the episode that I just wanted to follow up. First off, we are playing Old School Essentials, which is Gavin Norman's re-edited version of BXD&D. So... It was older school flavor, although we were using the uh, advanced edition rules, optional rules that he had created as part of his recent Kickstarter. So kids were basically, you know, choosing a race and a class combination. I let them pick uh, what they wanted to be ahead of time, but I made the pre-gens based on their requests that they had funneled through my son. And again, yeah, it was his birthday party. It was his idea to do old school essentials, not mine. Uh, he's very interested in older forms of the game. He even wanted to do descending armor class instead of the optional ascending armor class route. And so, you know, that was cool. But again, some of the kids thought that was dumb. And so, but then again, a lot of adults say that about descending armor class too. So, um, and then also wanted to follow up and say, yeah, it was a couple, two or three kids that really were the main focus of the uh, issues that most of the kids were trying to play, you know, in a way that was cooperative and, and uh, you know, move the story along. One kid just kept wanting to leave the party, uh, no matter what I tried to do or discourage him through the various threats that he kept running into and barely survived, and yet he kept wanting to leave the party. And then when his character died, he's the one who wanted to basically reboot things and start over his character and, and oh, I won't do it again. I won't leave the party again. And I said, no, sorry, at this point, too late. Um, another kid kept wanting to put on his ring of invisibility and sneak away from the party and do his own thing. And the end result is, uh, we didn't even get halfway through the story that I had crafted, which is, is fine. I don't want to put him on a railroad, but at the same time, I was, you know, hoping we'd get further into the story. And there was a lot of other kids sitting around as I had to manage these two or three kids who were fairly disruptive with their game choices. Plus, we were playing in a gaming store, and there was lots of other distractions. They were off wandering away, looking at magic cards when it was their turn, and all kinds of other shenanigans. So, all in all, though, my son still had a good time. He thinks next time he won't invite these handful of boys that didn't seem into it. We'll see how it goes. Anyways, thanks again. Take it easy. Bye. You know, Coach. Yeah, you know, Coach, I got to say that actually um, my son has, uh, last time for his uh, last birthday party when I ran D&D, I said, hey, where's so-and-so? He goes, yeah, he's, um, I don't think he likes gaming as much as I do, <laughs> which was AJ being very politely saying, yeah, that kid's trouble. He's not going to focus. <clears throat> so that's a good move. Yeah, interesting. I think the because it was uh, your son's birthday game, I think it was, it's one of those things where did the birthday boy have a good time? Yes, that's awesome. It's a shame that other people are being difficult, as you described there. But 
Cool. I'm glad that I'm glad that you and your son got a kick of what we did. And it sounds like we didn't uh, say anything too horribly stupid. So that's good. <laughs> Sean, we got anything else? We're ready to move on, man. No, that's it. Uh, thanks for calling in, Kojo, and clearing that up. Uh, let's get on to the main topic. All right, Brett. I got a twofer, man. You ready? It is a twofer. I'm ready. So a couple different things I want to talk about. Last time we got derailed, I want to talk about Ray Otis's topic about book size and format. And I figured it would go well with uh, some of the shopping we did and just looking around at a gaming convention, kind of what's out there. But I also want to talk about kind of a blow-by-blow of what you do with the con. It's not our shtick, really. I mean, we've tried that before. It kind of bores the shit out of people. But I thought... Sean, what if we could talk about like of the sessions we ran or we played in? I said, well, let's talk about the stuff we ran. Let's just talk about what we ran here. Did you have a best versus a worst? Did you have one game that you're like, man, that one just did not work as well for me? Because so, I did. I, I ran three and I did have one. You did. Okay. I did. So we should we should probably start if we're going to talk about this mm-hmm. and put a disclaimer <clears throat> that it's not. It's not the group. It's not the players. Oh, no, 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 no. You know, yeah, nope. I know. But there's going to be some people that are listening and like, I was in that game and, you know, nope, I feel very, so bad. Or Nope. Very good. And this is all about learning. And this is when, so thank you, Sean. It's a good disclaimer. This is not, what I'm talking worst is probably, I didn't have a better term for it here, but it's kind of like what one, I, you know, you can learn from the stuff that works and you can learn from the stuff like, man, I had expectations. Sean maybe had an expectation at the table that something just didn't go quite right. I've had games where I walk away and I go, damn, that sucked, man. I don't feel like it did it did very well. I look at the players like, oh, it was awesome. They're all like revved up. I'm like, man, how the hell did you? Okay, cool. You had fun. Must have done something, right? So I'm trying to figure out, I guess. So, Sean, let's let's do this. Did you have a game that you ran that was just like it hit all the right strides for you and the players and you felt as fulfilled as they did? I had one that was better than the others. Okay, which was that? Probably, uh, well, there are two that were similar. I would say, because okay. they're different. So I yeah, think, yeah. That, okay. yeah, they were all different. I had different experiences this this past convention. Well, you know what? Let me do this. So Sean ran three different types of games, three yeah. different rule systems. Oh, completely. All yeah. three were completely different. And I ran same, same, same. Insofar as they're all D and D five E in the Avalon setting. So I'll tell you what, Sean. Let me go first. Because I think sure. this, hey, this Brad, might just you know just don't forget about me over here. I won't. I won't. I okay. promise. <laughs> <laughs> so the two that went like I hit all the right buttons for me and my players. The Thursday and Friday one uh, went really well. Everyone had a good time. They're very investigative focused. They really kind of brought the Avalon brand, as they say. Right, had all the right pieces and parts. There were um, people hacking up uh, fish eggs. There was crazy bug crawling madness and weird magic actually got great pointers from uh my my uh my players jen brinkman was in one of the games and um some of the other folks that um jim threw st- good stuff at me anyway i got really good like hey that was fun you know being it even better is blah 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 really very very helpful and i think I, one of the things i learned from those is that the the pregens i had worked really really well they fit the investigative vibe and the whole looking into stuff, building as I as I do when I run these games, I can't build a neighborhood, 
with a crew. Give me a name of a blacksmith. What's the name of the local tavern? Who runs a tavern? How what attitude do they have? Sourcing the table like that, I am finding works really, really well, and the players love it. Even some of the players who may be more shy, like, oh God, I'm terrible at this. I said, That's okay. Anybody else have an idea, you know? And just getting the people at the table to do that, <coughs> I think is really helpful. And it kind of breaks the ice. Everybody's got some investment in it. And I like that. I think it's a really good way to go. And then that's something that I think I can use and I I do more of even now in my home game where I source the table for stuff. And, you know, or I need the name of a university. I need the name. Of, what's the name of the professor who taught you that? Oh, it's uh, Hodgkins. Yes, Hodgkins is the guy. Okay. So I, I started doing even more of that. The quote unquote worst game was my Saturday one. And that was because that was a monster hunt game. And I do monster hunting within the Avalon setting. But I did not have enough investigation in it. It was, I felt, far too straightforward. The players did a great job. They grabbed it. They found it. They went right after right after the critter, figured it out. There were a couple turns and twists, but um, I just didn't have any kind of pow, you know, right there. Hey, man, it really, really shocked them like the other two sessions. And it, it took me part of the day to like, what the hell? What the hell? What, what, what didn't I like? And it was too simple. I think um, I only had um, like a one to four, one to five time slot, and they just blew right through it. I'm like, man, I don't have enough meat here. It's too simple. This is part of a thing. I need to add more to it. And I think if it was just a three-hour game or a two-hour game, I think it would have been fine. But a pure monster hunt without enough, and not even red herrings, but I found I needed – we built the neighborhood. We got some cool stuff together. But things went, there were no hiccups, right? There was, oh, we took a wrong turn. Oh, this was unexpected. Ah, oh, crap, here we are. Everything unfolded pretty much as everyone expected. And sometimes that's fun, but I wanted to have more kind of, I, I don't know, just more stuff, more options and let them think and look around. And I just, <clears throat> I kind of lost the investigative approach that I really like to do and that the Avalon setting does really well. And I just went kind of pure monster hunt. And I'm like, you know, this may have worked for younger, less experienced gamers. May have gotten, you know, more of a charge out of it. But I think I could have done better by my players by adding some more stuff to it. Add, you know, ramp up the bad guy. The monster hunting is under control of, you know, lady so-and-so or captain thus and such. Could have added some complication to it so that when they win... They realize, oh, there's something else. Who's who's behind the shadow? Look behind the curtain and see what's there. I didn't have any of that, and I think if I would have added that to it, would have made it a better game. Hmm. <clears throat> so that's how I'm. It was it was fun. Everyone had a good time, um, but I should have added some more oomph to it, a little more punch, and I think that's how I could have done it. Add uh, more clues, hinting at a complication, and then a big reveal, and then deal with a real deal with a real bad guy type of thing would have been a little more entertaining for everybody, I think. Mm-hmm. So, Sean, you ran three different types of games. I did. You, you had a LARP, you had a Cthulhu, and what else did you have? Oh, D&D, 5e. Yes, I did. Tomb of Horrors. So, I'll tell you what, let's break them down. How did, let's start with the Tomb of Horrors. How did that go? Tomb of Horrors went all right. It's, uh... You using I, 5e? Yeah, I used 5e and realized that 5e is, uh... It's, it's, it's like a playground. It's... It's like it a ball, a ball, uh, ball pen. It's it, 
It it's like a jumpy. It's like a jumpy house. Like you just didn't for a trap heavy game, where unless you do massive damage, no one dies. Right? There's no fighting in that module, really. No, there isn't. And I, uh, I killed three characters, so I laid them out. First level, second level, third level. Put them out on the table. Nobody batted an eye. No one checked levels. Like I would. I mean, I would have been like. Uh, Okay. You know, it's just two more horrors, right, you dick? How come there's how come these are only first, second, third level characters? I had a sorcerer with like a, uh, like a five charisma. Okay. On the table. That was the last one to get picked because my brand, my buddy Brandon like inherited that one. Nice. But as they got killed, I would give them 11th level characters. Okay. Um, And I gave them some Cure Light Wounds potions to begin with. Okay. Maybe help things along. But it was, uh, yeah, it wasn't that, uh, they did. They they got to the what they think is the end. Some of them that have played it before know the deal. But it felt kind of cakewalk for you. Was that what you're saying? It was. It was. And but there were some parts where they were really struggling to find out where to go, like what okay. to do. Right? Like they're like, we go here. It's a dead end. Hmm. <clears throat> well, the original Tomb of Horrors, even third edition one uh, or second when I've run it for those, the fear of death is real. It sounds like, especially first edition, like, holy fuck, I'm going to die. If I open that door, we could all die. Because somebody's opened a door, fall down, <clears throat> falls down a huge trap or whatever, and disappears or gets a hand chopped off or teleports somewhere or something. But it sounds like they didn't have the fear. They were had the interest in like, oh, what's this? Kind of like a puzzle box, but it wasn't really terrifying. No, I think I think they, they genuinely didn't want to die. Well, well, who does, really? But I don't think... I think there is a premise a premise that's like that's what's gonna happen. So it's you let them down by you like let them down by not killing enough. Yeah, of them. it's not like it's a Brett game where you're kind of like, okay, it's a new game, it's Avalon. I want to have the experience of playing with Brett running Avalon, and I pick a character and I'll run with it, and it's fine. Like if I die, I don't want to die necessarily, but it is a con game. Where mm-hmm. I think with Tomb of Horrors, it's they're all kind of laughing inside saying, oh, I wonder what what's going to get me. What's going to be the crushing blow? Yep. You know, how are we going to get to, you know, whatever, to the end? Are we going to get to the end? Um, Do you think if you'd have picked a different mechanic, a different system, you'd have had a better or you'd have felt more fulfilled? Maybe. I mean, if I ran first edition, maybe it might have been a completely different game. I'm sure it would be a different game. Oh, yeah. But I think, the, I mean, the... The whole thing about running that particular module was I was going to do it as a set piece, and that didn't happen. And as a matter of fact, Jesse Robinson, friend of the show, he did the uh, inspiration woodcut, and he's done our coasters, the woodcut yes. die coasters. And Jesse has he has a laser, you know, in his house because that's what he does. Yeah. And then he has like three three D printers. So he said, "You should have just let me know. We could have cranked them out." Well, you know, hindsight twenty twenty, but. I don't know if I would run it again, even if I had the 3D, 2D-ish, you know, terrain to do, hmm. to do it. So hmm. I think the novelty around it would have been, had I had the two 3D map of the dungeon put out, laid out, then well, I that's think- kinda, That's kind of what you it, wanted at the beginning. It was. And it didn't happen, so you're kind of like, meh. Yeah. Hmm. So I used gaming paper, and I put it out there, and it was fine. And I even used some of the handouts from first edition. Um it was okay. It was okay. 
Like it wasn't bad. I don't think anybody had a terrible time. It's a long game. That was um, a six hour one, wasn't six it? Six hour game, yeah. Would you do that again, do you think? <sighs> um, I don't know if I would do a six hour game. It depends on what I'd be running. But I'm just saying, would you run two more horrors again, do you think? I don't think I threw all my maps away. <clears throat> okay. I okay. just took everything I had and just I mean, I have all the pregens that I printed up still printed in a folder. But I took the maps that I had, rolled them up, put it in a box. And the box that I brought them with, and they didn't roll up right, and they got kinked on the end. So yeah. I came home and I'm like, ah, mm, am I gonna run this again? Nope. Eh, I'm throw it away. Boom. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of it. So what? What you did uh, a poker game? And I should say the Tomb oh, of Horrors. I should ahead. say final and wrap that up. The Tomb <clears throat> of Horrors game isn't probably the type of game I like to run, honestly. Oh, okay. So, so we'll get to that. Th- no, that actually ties a little bit yeah. to my monster hunt because I felt less fulfilled about that because it didn't have some of the extra complexity, which is what I like. Yeah, I as a game master like the extra complexity and and throwing that stuff out there. If I don't have it, then I feel unfulfilled for myself. So if that's a style of game you're not having a good time with, huh? Okay, that's interesting. Good. There'll be, a, I think, a trend for people that play in my games. That you do things you don't like? No, no, no. <laughs> teasing, teasing. No. No. But I think that even after this show, you'll probably realize, ah, oh, that's kind of the type of game Sean wants to present. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's go to the poker game. Yeah. So what was that game? So The Deal by the deal. Todd Crapper mm-hmm. and Broken Ruler Games. It's a four-person LARP. You come in every character... Let me rephrase that. Every player knows mm-hmm. all the characters. So okay. As you're standing there, everybody knows who who's going to be who. Gotcha. But when the game starts, there's only one character that knows the rest of the characters. Okay. Right. That's the blackmailer. Okay. All right. So everybody's been invited to play a poker game, by and they don't know who invited them. And there's four scenes. And each scene has four twists, plot twists and turns. Okay. That kind of get thrown out, whether it's thrown out intentionally to each uh, specific person or or randomly. Usually it's randomly. Um, I try to hit every, every person, like kind of spread them around. As the fifth player, there isn't a fifth player. So I kind of acted as the referee as the silent Bob dealer type. Mm-hmm. So when I went through, Todd has a very good presentation within the game that says, read this aloud to all the players. And it talks about safety because this game is for not nice people. Characters are not nice people. The characters are not nice people. It's kind of almost like forget about it in a way, right? It's even, it should even be worse than forget about it. It should be forget about it turned up to 11. Oh, okay. So this is like a Tarantino movie. It should be a Tarantino movie. Okay. Like the Hateful Eight. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It should be the Hateful Eight. The poker game. Ooh. All yes. Right. I actually said at the beginning of the game that I anticipated an actual person at the table throwing their cards at me, like Joe Pesci did in Casino. Got Remember it. That? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you haven't seen the movie Casino and Joe Pesci gets kicked out of a casino because he's doing too many bad things around town and he's bringing too much heat on to De Niro's character's casino, he tells him not to come around, but he ends up getting drunk 
and he yeah. walks in the casino one night and he's playing po- blackjack and he's getting ticked off at the dealer. And throws the cards at him. Throws the cards at him and tells him he's going to shove it up his. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's what I anticipated. What I got was very nice Midwestern rudeness. <laughs> <laughs> so were the <clears throat> now you have not now because it's kind of it's very larpy. It is a did, larp. Like you, did, you, gotta, you know, you're touching the table and you're sitting in their chair. You should be in character. Were the players larp familiar with that type of, or was it kind of newish ground for everybody? Do you know, there was a couple. Th- now looking back, I can say I know what I would do completely different. Do you want to run it again? And do I want to run it all the time. Like, I want to run it at every con. Because it's easy. There's no prep. You just sit down. I think down. between that and what you've told me about, forget about it. I'm like, dude, that's like sit down and go. Yes. What I would do in the future would be pull each person aside and ask them if they're a nice person. And when they say yes, I say, you can't be in this game. You cannot be a nice person in this game. Yeah, you have to be. You have to picture somebody that is a royal asshole, whether they're fictional or non-fictional, you have to embrace that, and then you have to turn it up even higher. Would it help you if you had images of men and women from key movies that, that like, personify that character, right? Like, you had Joe Pesci. Maybe. I'm just wondering, I need you to be like this. Right. Maybe. Just a thought. Yeah. So there's, so there's that, and then they also have to know poker. So I have to put down, like, basic understandings of poker. Like, if you come in and you don't know po- poker at all, you just shouldn't be playing. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm bad at that. And that's okay if you're not, like, a poker shark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, and I can write out cheat sheets, right? You can write out cheat sheets for hands and what beats mm-hmm. what hands. But you kind of have to understand, like, okay, a dealer, you know, everybody Annie's up. You deal the cards, you play probably five-card draw, you pick, you know, three to four cards or one to four cards you want to throw in. Yep. You know, pick up, pick your hand. But, and you know, so I think that's and, – and it has to be very clear not to break character. Like, even if you have a question about the poker game, don't break, break character. Even if you don't know, you're sp- they're all supposed to be pretty decent poker players. But I find what I was realizing that it was that there was a lot of breaking of character that was very whimsical. Oh, okay. You're in, yeah, that's not the tone you're looking for like at the all. The rules but- are, are there, see, with the things with like other games, right? D&D, any game, any tabletop RPG, there are going to be folks that know those games really well and they've played them and they've run them. Yep. And then you're going to get the ones that have never played and show yep. up. But you have a character sheet, and usually there's a, you know, roll this die for this result. Mm-hmm. In a LARP, it's just acting. The rules are not to hurt anybody physically. There's rules of, hey, I just, I'm going to insult your character's mother. Brett might get overly offensive. So there's the rule of thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. Like yeah, as yeah, yeah. you're playing. So uh, the person can go thumbs up. Am I okay? And Brett can go thumbs down. And then he could, the person can stop insulting Brett's mother. Got it. Right. So there's those rules, but 
if there's questions about something, there should there shouldn't be any questions about anything in the meta part part of it. So, question for you. Let me think about this. And if Where, there is, then that's on me, right? Yeah, GameholeCon has a section of a convention that's like for you know adult themes. Sure. Gaming. Would this game be better fitted in that type of setting where the people like say, hey, adults, adults only type of thing? Oh, or definitely. You... I mean, it is not. I don't post it for anybody but adults. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I never mind. You, it was I mean, in a I room that was sure. fairly, I mean, it was fine. Um, I think, I think Josh tipped over a couple chairs and everybody looked over, but I mean, okay. it was briefly, you know, what are they doing over there? It's not a big deal. Okay. Okay. You know, hey, mind your own business, right? Yeah. What are you um, looking at? Yeah. What are you looking at? They're not in the room, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So I think part I and much of the how the game went. Um, so I had people that had no experience LARPing, and then I had people that have LARPed. I've had I had people that signed up for the game specifically because it was not for good people. Mm-hmm. Right? She's you know I had one woman in the game. She's like, that's why I signed up because I'm I'm known not to be nice. And I'm like, <clears throat> okay, all right, good. Then you're gonna fit right in. Had a hard time though. She had to turn it up. They all had to turn it up. But it might be it might be interesting to do a play play break and say, okay, we're gonna take a break for a second. Right. Take it to eleven. Yeah. Right now you well, guys I are. Well, I brought eight. it up. I like, it was I'm an hour saying, and a like, half, two hours in. I'm like, y'all being too nice. Y'all, like, y'all at Midwestern eight. need to throw that to the you need to throw that out the window. Yeah, y'all at an eight, take it to thirteen people. I was yeah. uh I was kind of like a six. Hmm. But it's hard. It's a hard game because you're playing with strange. You're you're genuinely playing with strangers, and of, of course, you know. Here's the thing: if these people are naturally like that, we wouldn't want them at the con. No, I mean, I've if you, Joe Swick, Jim Fitzpatrick, and I sat down to play this, it'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, your mother's we, a whore. Yeah, we you know, know I could, each other. Yeah. I know you guys. Yeah, yeah. I can do that. Yeah. You know, hey, if Jen Brinkman was there or Eileen was there, I'd be like. Yeah, well, you're the one who blah blah blah. You stole my car. You did that. You know, right. we could go back and forth, and we could we, we know each other, right? But when you're like talking total strangers, it's hard to go. Well, yeah, your dad's a drunk. Uh, <laughs> very triggerable. It sounds like though that's this is a game you've got to run a few times. You're gonna pick up more tips and tricks as you go, and you're gonna have that one group that pow hits it. Oh, I told Rob about it. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'll be in that game. I'm like, oh, I know you will. So Rob is is a guy that you guys, have, if you've seen him walking around the con, I don't think he listens to our show, but he looks like Jesse Ventura. He's like 6'5 and bald, and he's got a straggly goatee. and He's a big dude. A raspy, he, he's, raspy he's, loud voice. Yeah, he stands next to me. I look I look average size. And he goes uh, to the cons like Gary Con at Gamehole Con with his lovely wife, Julie. Um, who is a little more calmer than Ron, Rob. <laughs> Which or, is good. Or as I refer to him as Rib, because that's how it's. <laughs> Anyways, so it's not, you know, live and learn. It's not a knock on the players or anything. It's just I would, I should have, I, I didn't know. And I was talking to Darcy Ross about this, and she said she had gone to a LARP where they had literally a two-hour workshop, and then you played the LARP. Wow. Yeah, that's kind of intense. I wouldn't expect to do that for this one. Yeah, but you're learning a lot about how to facilitate this particular game. Yes. You want to run it more often. The more you run it, the better at it you're going to get. You're going to have a couple false starts or almost theirs. 
but you'll get it. That's cool. Yeah, All and right. I think next time I'm contemplating whether I want to be the dealer or if I'm going to actually play and be a player with three others. You should come to Evercon and run it there. Oh, it's going to be on, if I come, it's going to be on the perfect on the schedule. Um, and I don't know how long, so it's very time, <laughs> the time ebb and flows. There's a mechanic where you can have a jug with lines of water, line, for lines on the jug. Yeah. And if you feel as though the scene's going well, you just pour water into the jug. And if you hit the line, then the scene should come to an end. At the same time, if you think the scene is doing really well, you take water out of the jug so it can go longer. Got it. But each character has something that they need to achieve in order to end the scene, kind of. Got it. And the okay. first guy that I had that was going to end the scene, Greg, um, he didn't know what it was to end the scene. Like, he had it on his card, but he didn't know what it meant. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the scene ends when this player chooses to raise the stakes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If he he's didn't know not, what if, raise the stakes was. Yeah, so and he if just, he's getting if there's a confusion between the poker raising the stakes right. versus the interaction raising the stakes, yeah. right? Right. <clears throat> Got it. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I, <clears throat> looking back, there is a oh, and each one has a different prop, by the way. So there, my here's my prep: a deck of cards. Yeah. The rules. A box. Mm -hmm. An envelope. A gun, and a phone. That's pretty good. That's it. It goes in a backpack. Poker man. chips. That's easy. Yeah. That's oh, easy. And Jerry Rasher, thank you so much for bringing poker chips. Because without him, I mean, it would have been pretty stupid game. Pretty lame. Pretty lame. <laughs> like hey, throw <laughs> chips in the table. Yeah, yeah. Pretend you're flipping chips. But it was an ex it was a great experience for me because it was definitely something that was outside my wheelhouse and things that came up were just things I would have never thought about until it actually happened. That's cool, man. Yeah. So thank you, players, for playing in that and bringing them to my attention, for sure. That wasn't awesome. anything bad. And frankly, hey, when you don't want to do real bad stuff to bad, you know, other people, sometimes That's it goes against their own selves. Makeup. Yeah. <laughs> so the other one you ran was Gatsby. You helped run, I should say, Gatsby in the Great Race. So number of different people, Corey and you and uh, Forrest Gary and, and other. How did how did that one go? Everyone, I should say, everyone I talked to after that was super thrilled. Had a great time. That was your first time helping to run that multi-table time hopping craziness. How did uh, how'd you like it? I liked it, and and what I thought would happen would happen, or at least I hoped it would happen. Which is, I'm crapping my pants, and and. Typically running a, a table like the LARP and the six-game Tomb of Horrors, not a big deal. When you're doing it with 30 people and five tables. Well, this is co-GM time, man. This is. Yeah. You want to make sure if, your shit's kind of together. Yeah, because you're at a point where if I fuck this up, it's not like. So Sean and I were talking about what we'd like to do next year. And he and I perhaps do some kind of an event together, uh, kind of either co-GM or however we figure this out. But if you and I go, ah, fuck, that didn't work. We can, you know, hey, Sean, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just two guys. If you screw this up, you could disappoint or or throw five other game masters under the bus if you well, do something wrong. In this game, it is very, it's imperative that there are certain things that actually occur. Yes. Like you have to establish them. You have to remember them. And then you, you bank on those. And then there, 
it gets wacky. And I, they told me, people are, aren't going to know what's going on. Therefore, you don't need to know what's going on. Therefore, it'll be just fine. And, you can say that all day long, right. but until it happens, you don't know that for sure. But yes. once I got in the groove, which is another thing I would figure, as soon as I get into the groove and start getting into getting people to kind of open up a little bit, they'll riff off of each other, mm-hmm. they'll start wondering what's going on, then it'll be just fine. And it did. It was It was good. It was good. It was a really <laughs> I liked it. It was fun. I'll run it again for Corey, especially now that I got my own shtick down. Because nice. I can run it the same every 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 single time. There is something really cool about getting a good con game down. Like forget about it. A couple of the Avalon adventures I've done, even a Call of Cthulhu adventure I've done a few times, a Trail of Cthulhu, I should say. It's repeatable. You yeah. know it like the back of your hand. And when the con players who you don't know many times do something crazy and you have to ad lib it, you're like, that's okay. Because I know this adventure incredibly well. Right. And it's not like running the same adventure for your home team five times in a row and they go, Jesus, Brad, I, I know how this ends. I know where the I know where the ghouls are. It's it's new and fresh for everybody, except for you. And but you get to see all the coolness that they do. And the more you do it, the more awesome you get to look <laughs> as you riff and do all this crazy shit and you've just got that adventure nailed. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Going back to the original piece of saying, okay, I'm going to run. I will probably stick with the deal. Thanks, Todd, for creating that. Um, and I'm more than shared a, or more than happy to share some of my reports and runs. Um, no feedback about the game. I mean, I don't have anything to provide to him constructively that would help fix things. Um, it's just my personal own fixing I have to do. But there's the deal. Mm. Forget about it. Yeah. And then I am, I do have an inkling to run Force 5 from Alderaan. So the theme, I keep telling you, you need to do that, man. Yeah. The th- well, and I ran it one year, but I, it was like I scheduled it for four hours and then realized I didn't schedule it for four hours. Four, four hours. I scheduled it for two. Oh, that's not enough time. Right. But the you could see the theme is Sean's games are with not so nice people. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that's, right that's true you yeah. know star wars is fine and dandy if you want to go and watch a new hope and the empire and the prequels you know but force five of alderaan i mean is it's me i'm taking that after and being uh inspired by the inglorious bastards yeah you know somebody blew up their planet somebody's got to pay yeah I like and it. i want you know I want 20 dead Imperial scalps. Exactly. <laughs> I want 20 Imperial scalps. And each yes. one of them is going to be, they're not going to be, well, they could be human, but most of them aren't, right? They're like. Yeah, no, no, no. This has got to be pissed off people. Pissed off foreigners from Alderaan. I like it. That'd be fun, man. I did the I did the Aldo Rain speech when I ran it the first time. That's awesome. That's very cool. So. But anyways, that was my experience. I know. Um, Excuse me. There you have it in a nutshell. I'm cool. Yeah. So I think we put that topic aside. We have a little bit of time left here. So yeah. when one of the things that Ray Otis was asking us about, and we skipped this a little bit last time, and as I was going through the dealer hall, looking at different books and trying to decide, hey, what do I want? Is there anything here I've got to have? And so forth. I started to see all the different formats, right? You've got stuff in hardcover, softcover, 
full size, like the eight and a half by 11 style, you know, the big ass book, you've got the digest size. And my Avalon book isn't a digest size when it's printed. And a number of people say, I really love the digest size games. I love, I love that form factor so much better than the oversized books or the quote unquote regular or whatever. And <clears throat> I was talking to, um, Somebody about Astonishing Swordsman Sorcerer's Hyperborea and the original box set that Jeffrey Tillanian had was all spiral bound inside of it. And I actually like that because it laid so flat. And that was the thing that people were telling me about digest books is that they liked the hardcovers because they laid flat better than a paperback. And I'm like, okay, interesting. So <laughs> I was wondering, you know, Sean, as you as you're going through and you're looking at do do you even think or care about the form factor for the books you buy. You know, when you buy a new book, do you go, oh, it's only in digest size. Oh, it's a big book. Oh, it's not. Because I bought like Sea King's Malice. I, I wasn't able to back the Kickstarter at the time, but I picked up a copy of Alex uh, Cameron's Adventure. And it's a full-size, full-size book. Kind of cool. It's got great art and all that stuff. But I wonder, would I have been excited about it if it had been a digest size adventure? I don't know. Does that size, does the book itself matter to you what do you think for the record i do appreciate the eight and a half by 11 the biggins file format that's very cool format i mean it's i would say i would go as far to say that that is a pretty standard format and maybe it's not so much standard nowadays but it was definitely standard from probably the 80s well <laughs> minus traveler like Mark, man, what were you thinking, dude? Mark Miller was like between Mark Miller and the original white box, brown box stuff, like King of the Digest format. Well, actually, Traveler in the Digest format, the original, wasn't bad. It was when it went like sideways. Oh, yeah. That was the weird ass landscape books. Yeah. And it was cut in half. It was yeah, like an, odd. it would be what, uh, four and uh, four, three and three quarter by. <laughs> it was an 11? odd shape. It was a very odd like, shape. It was such, and I have that. It's just. So, I think that um, the eight and a half by eleven is probably what I appreciate. Um, I have other ones. The ones that I I kind of get under my skin are the Saga Star Wars edition, which are Saga Star Wars edition. They're literally, I think they're literally twelve by twelve. They're square Ooh, books. That's a square. Yeah, that feels weird. Have you ever seen them, Brett? I think I have. Yeah, it's a square book, and they came out with a Watsy. I don't know why they went that route. They wanted them to have, stand out on the shelf. I have no idea. But, Interesting. I mean, I, I don't mind them now. I kind of, you know, that they are what they are, but like, man, do you have what in the hell? Do you have, um, do you use your hard, your hard copies at the table a lot? Um, no, unless I have to look up a rule. I, I usually don't try to open any books while I'm at the table, actually. I do. I am much the same myself. I mean, so when I'm looking up a rule, I personally tend to like, if it's a rule-based thing, I have, I tend to like the larger format because for some reason it feels like there's more information on a page because it's a bigger page and that it's easier for me to find stuff. Now that said, I think if I just, stop being a wuss and like look through the digest size. It's there. Sure. I got a buddy of mine. that was a digest size Pathfinder book. Oh, Pathfinder core rules. Yeah. And the print and like, is like point, point five font. 
Yeah, I'm like, Jesus Christ, how can you read that? He's like, oh, it's fine for me. I'm like, ah, it's too small. Yeah. Because otherwise a book would be like, you know, the size of, I don't know, an unabridged dictionary or something. Right. Crazy. Yeah. But like my my Avalon book, I read it. I've read it cover to cover in its format, looking for errors and edits and blah, blah, blah. What would I want to do? How would I want to change or whatever? And it reads fine. And I think because that setting book format and the rules that are in it and so on, it it works for me. And maybe maybe it took me creating my own thing in that format to be like, huh, I think I could totally groove on this. Because I'll tell you, man, there's something really nice about putting that book in my pack instead of another big ass book. This this the size for lugging it around, it does take up less t- less table space as well. So the advantage of the smaller digest smaller size or format, any yeah. yeah the format is always going to be smaller, compact, lighter, typically, <clears throat> mm-hmm. which I can appreciate because putting a lot of books. I mean, if you take a DMG Monster Manual and P- Dungeon Master Guide, which I'm not sure why you need the DMG. I mean, but those three books in a book bag. Those, They're that's, heavy. That's heavy. It's a lot of lugging around. But at the same time, I also was talking about, I was talking to somebody about like indie game, not even indie games, but the smaller format games, um, story-based games, the more narrative games. But some of those aren't rules lighter games. Which I, is a another, burning, burning Wheel is a digest size game. Yes, it is. And that thing's a brick. Yeah, you kill a man with that thing. Yeah. Well, Burning Wheel is not as bad as Burning Empires. Well, it's still, it's a big, goddamn, hefty. Burning Empires. Son of a bitch. I got it mixed up, though. Burning Empires is literally a brick. Well, Burning Wheel is still big. Yeah. Still hefty. But even like Scum and Villainy, Blades in the Dark, <clears> I mean, <throat> they're, the games are very dense. Like, if you Yeah, they are. Through, Blades in the Dark is a dense book. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of dense rules. It's, which is another thing I think we can argue, too, sometimes where I think there was an argument at one point in time where a lot of independently published or solo published games were rules lighter or streamlined or less trad. Yeah. Which is funny because you could look at BX, which is older. It's pretty streamlined. It's pretty streamlined. Oh, and by the way, Steve Jackson is the world's largest, most successful indie publisher. Steve Jackson is? He owns Steve Jackson games. He's the only guy. He's independent. He's an independent publisher. But how do you, I guess we don't, how do you define that though? Yeah, there you go. That's where I'm going. Right. Anyway, joke, yeah. <clears throat> jokes about that aside. That's a different argument. But he's I not think, the only one that writes for him. I know. Oh. I'm just saying. Oh, I got you. But he's a publisher. Anyhow, sure. point, what I'm saying, what I, what I think I'm hearing you say is, this is what's interesting to me is when I look at, look at my Avalon book versus uh, Blades in the Dark or um, a setting book or a rules light environment. Even um, Dungeon World, it's not my huge jam, but I um, the hardcover, going through it, it reads pretty quick. You can reference things in it pretty fast. It's it's nice. But something about a very, and maybe this is just a, a um, nostalgia callback for me, but when I want to, like, oh, there's a lot of rules or <clears throat> something's very complicated, I feel like I need the, um, the real estate of the larger book. Where sure. I've got both pages laid out. I can see the combat troop. Uh, combat troop movements here, the critical chart here, or whatever it is, where it's all laid out. <clears throat> Excuse me, and I can I can see more of it at once. Spells and so forth in D anD D for some reason, and monsters. The monster manual being a full size feels nice to me. Well, I think you, and it may be just a raw aesthetics thing. I think you almost have to when it in a lot. I don't see a lot of monster tomes that aren't 
large format. It's, yeah. Although I think one of the other things that's getting me where I don't mind the digest piece is because I, I have a lot of PDFs and PDFs I use on my iPad. I have the 11 and a half or 12 inch, I have the, the regular sized iPad. Um, I don't have the larger one or the mini. I have the old school sized iPad yeah. and I look up monsters there. My Pathfinder stuff is on there. I've got other um, shit. I've got some trailer Cthulhu stuff. Granted, they use a three column fucking layout, which I think is stupid as shit. Which Pelgrin <sighs> would would not do that. Anyway, should have told that to Ken Height. I yeah, should have hey, brought Ken. that up. Yeah, Ken. Ken, you're a mover and a shaker at Pelgrin. What For in Christ's the house sake. is? Did you have anything to do with that, or was it all Simon? And can you punch Simon in the nose for doing that? <laughs> yeah, just just. What? Hold him down and twist his arm until he stops. Like, if we have him on the show, Ken is not going to get off easy. <laughs> seriously. drill him on that. Yeah, okay, I understand you're a very reputable game designer, but seriously, man, why three columns and some of that crap? Yeah. Help me understand how that's even a better user experience. It's not. But if, for those games that... Anyway, I, I think because I'm reading stuff in a PDF format on a smaller screen... I'm getting used to that size. And my digest book is essentially is not much smaller than my iPad, generally speaking. And as long as the font is decent and it's laid out properly, I can get to the stuff I need. And I think my fear of, oh my God, it's such dense rules, it'll be hard to find anything, that comes down to layout and organization. If the book is well organized, it shouldn't be that bad. However, I must say, if I have to constantly reference the book, which is something you and I are both just saying now that we don't necessarily like to do. I'd prefer it to lay flat very easily and a big brick like burning empires or something isn't going to lay flat very easy. And I'd almost rather go like a buddy of mine did with the Osric book. When he got it printed from Lulu, he went spiral bound. Yeah. That buddy would be mine. Me. Oh, you did too. I did okay. too. Yeah. All right. That's a good way. That book lays nice and flat yeah. that way. It's a good call. But I got the small one, which is not, I would not advise. No. The big one, Spiral Bound. I think, you, can you get a big one, Spiral Bound? I, got the I don't know if you one. can or can't. Yeah, I, got the I don't digest. know. But also, I'm also I'm very interested to see what games like Dungeon World, um, Blades in the Dark, you know, Scum and Villainy, some of those that are a little bit, that are pretty thick digest size books, mm-hmm. what they would look like in a full size eight and a half by 11. Now, I know the for, I know the format would be, have to be tweaked majorly, but I wonder... Yeah. If they could literally break things down in certain chunks, better, like, eh, I wouldn't even say better organized necessarily. Well, present, present presentation, like, hey, yeah. all of this stuff is on page 222. Right. All of this is on page 115. Yeah. You haven't even seen The Veil. Like, The Veil is a Powered by the Apocalypse where it's very elongated. Huh. And, but not as wide. Um, Mr. Fraser yeah. did that one, and you know, I think, but the layout is very clean because there's very big margins, so it's it's a it's a very good presentation, and but it's just a different again layout. Because um, the other, I mean, the the digest size reminds me of trade paperbacks when I used to sell books in college. I have trade paperbacks on a bookshelf behind me. Those were larger paperback books, yeah, which are you know more info on a page, so on and so forth. Yeah, I don't know. I, I almost wonder if uh, if your standby of it depends matters in some of these cases where if it's a real, like Pathfinder in a digest size, no. it, it's like 0.05 font. It's, you know, get your quad focals out so you can read that fucking thing. Well, they're not changing anything. I think literally for that, what they did with theirs, 
was they Did literally you... just they, they just took a PDF and shrunk it, and, you, is... and you can't do that. No, that's just lazy. Yeah, and it's well now. At the same time, I wonder what the cost involved is because I'm sure there is a yeah. a cost thing that plays a huge role in this stuff. Um, I mean, obviously, but do you do you write in your books? <laughs> there was a post one of the guys put up on the forums about um, doing all the taboo things we talked about, and it was oh, yeah. a lot of it was taking notes in his books and highlighting things and. I did that in one book I have. It was kind of crazy. I felt really naughty writing in a book because when I was a kid, I did not have a lot of money. Not that I'm not that I have a lot of money now, but I could buy a paperback now and not feel like it was like all my savings, right? Right. 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 You know, like hey, I finally got this fifteen dollar AD and D book. I'll be goddamned if I write on it yeah. or in it. I was just terrified because I didn't want to damage it. You know, I wouldn't mind getting a copy that I would just do that and mark it up. Like it's just, so, I got two copies, one that's nice and one that's just, because I think there is change, a certain aesthetic about it because you could look at it, like you could present it to people and kind of make it look like it's notes. Yeah. Notes and it's your own and it's more of a laboratory, like a kind of a lab notebook more than anything. Yeah. It w- does the format, would that matter to you? Like, would you rather write in a diet? Would you rather write in a full size or a digest? Is there a format oh, that's a good that you'd question. prefer? The reason I'm asked, so I grabbed a scenic Dunsmith, which is a Lamentation of Flame Princess adventure I bought a while back, and I ran it as a campaign for my home group for a portion of it. And I wrote in it because I changed names in place. I used pencil or pen in places and cross things out and change names. Um, it was the first time I did. It. That's a smaller, quasi digesty sized book. I found that worked okay, but the other thing I find, honestly, is that that book, the paper in that book, that digest sized book lent itself quite well to writing in. Some of the full-size books have that sexy, super gloss paper, yeah. which I can't fucking stand. If you need reading glasses like this old man, it's a pain in the ass. But the glossy paper is difficult to write on. Hmm. You have to find a, a specific pen. I found that, like, from talk, I don't write in my books, generally speaking, but talking to other people who do, they have said that they had a pen that they really like to use for doing this. Sure. They wrote, it didn't dry. They closed the book, it just smeared Oosh. everywhere because the gloss, yeah. you know, it doesn't have the, it's not porous, right? Like some of the other stuff. So, I, <clears throat> that's a good point. I think some of the digest books tend to have almost more of an old school paper feel to them, and they, they almost. That lends itself more for me to to write in than a big glossy page, which I I think I'd need an old school ballpoint pen to write it because I don't even know if a pencil on some of those pages would even work very no. well. No, not as much. It's like signing one of those waxy receipts with a pencil, or even a pen. They're a pain in the ass. Yeah. Uh, um. So the answer to quick to answer whether it the size matters, whether I would mark them up mark them up depends on the format of or the layout of the inside information because uh-huh. some layout doesn't give you a lot of margin. So Okay, that's a good point too. Yeah. Sometimes it's pretty close to the edges. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one thing. But if it did and it was equal across digest size versus large, eight and a half by eleven, then no. Um the glossy paper I'd have to take a look at, but I would also be more apt to mark up a book, probably an adventure. So Tomb Annihilation, I probably, if I were to run it Eberron, I would probably make more notes in it 
the actual physical book. Like, hey, just Got remember, it. here's change these locations, change these terms, have probably a glossary. The, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but I probably wouldn't do it in my player's handbook. And then, frankly, I okay. don't know if I would need to, honestly. And ventures, yeah, I could totally yeah. see. Why? I mean, see, with a D and D player's handbook, it's a it's a toolkit, right? So I can say, oh, it's D and I use this for Forgotten Realms. I use this for Eberron. I use this for Avalon. I use this for whatever on, and I need all the data in it. There's nothing to cross out or modify because this player's handbook is used in all these different settings. Where if I had a book, like if I were to run Scum and Villainy or something that uh, a Star Wars thing, and you were to say, it's this book is only for Star Wars, and I'm modifying this because I don't like this history or I want to change this. Even in the core book, I could see that because my version of the Star Wars canon doesn't use this. It uses this other person. But you're still talking about setting. Yeah, but I'm just saying it's it's setting specific to the rules then too. Like if it was a, a very specific – a rule book that was specific to a setting. Yeah. And I think setting books probably like Avalon and um, Adventures – do may well lead lend themselves better to writing in, and uh, like I say, I, I I've only done it once now, and it was a digest size book, and it worked pretty well for me. But I think part of it was the uh, style of paper made it really easy to I could write in pencil, erase it, rewrite on top of it. And I think the permanent nature of having to write on some of those uber glossy newer books, I, I just it, it does not lend itself well to be written on. No. I agree. And that's the last thing I want is like smeared ink everywhere. Yeah, that just that's as bad as like spilling wine all If somebody knows the type of pen that actually works on that glossy paper, let us know. I don't know if that's Sharpie based. I I have to imagine, but it's hard to I mean, I know you can find fine point Sharpie markers. Yes, you can. Yep. And I have to think those are probably one of the better, but I could be wrong. So let me know. Yeah, just like it's one of those things where if I want to make a quick note in the adventure as it's going on, I don't want it to stay yeah, drying it the off page before open. I could flip the page. Yeah. yeah, for half an hour before it dries off. Right. So I think Sean, I think with the uh, with a book size perspective, I like them all. Honestly, the wackier the format, like a, a square, like you said, seems odd to me. Yeah. Digest versus full sized seems legit. I don't mind. I prefer books that can lay flat easy. At the table. Yeah. And even for reading, if I'm reading them on a table. If it has some of the soft cover books, depending on how thick they are, do not lay flat very well, which can be kind of a pain. I'm one of those guys who hates to like crack the binding and smash the fucker down flat, yeah. you know, just so it sits flat. I feel like I'm wrecking part of my investment. Yeah, you're cracking but the glue and yeah, yeah, just and the damn thing's gonna fall apart yep. like my original first edition vampire book did. And right. So yeah, I think I think some of it depends. And I honestly I am drawn from like new books perspective. More to the layout presentation. Like if I see a presentation, I go, wow, this is really cool in this format. That looks neat. If Avalon were to have been in a full-size book, I think it'd been okay. Right. But I think the um the book, the de- the detail and everything we have in it, if it's just fine in that in that digest size. And because it does, and it's a setting book and with adventure ideas and stuff in it, I think it works perfectly well for that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I I pretty much the same same thoughts and i do wish um drive through rpg for their print on demand would do spiral bound because i think that would be one that if i were to buy one and say hey i'm gonna keep this one like you said sean one to write in or uh like a play copy almost 
a spiral bound at the table just lays so flat. Yeah. They're really cool. Yeah. Anyway, Ray, we probably didn't hit all the pieces and parts there, man. But if you got another point of that that you want us to yammer on about, or you've got a point or anybody else does, let us know. Thanks for the question, Ray. Yeah, let's move it on, brother. Let's go into die roll. Right, die roll two to four miscellaneous points of gaming and geekery we want to bring to you. First one from Tony Sugarloaf Baker. The Outer Worlds credits pays tribute to developers slain D&D characters. This is an article on Polygon. So The Outer Worlds, I'm a little ignorant to it, but I believe it's a major video game. There's credits in it that pays tributes to the developer who is running D&D while he was involved in developing the game amongst others <laughs> that's awesome and put the dead characters in there as credits <laughs> so that, a little easter eggy type thing that's yeah. cool thanks tony for that uh second one the best new board games from the world's biggest board game show aka essen uh brett trivia question for you yes did i ask you if you knew how many people go to essen you did and i guessed so woefully low yes. i was shocked when you said the actual number yeah I said 100,000. Yeah. And you said 2019, I think it was two, over 200,000 people. And I thought 100,000. I thought I'm shooting for the stars. Nobody. When we, when we both were talking to Ken Height and we were talking about size, and he said, I would never go to Essen as a civilian. I'd only go if I was paid to work the show. Yeah. <laughs> he said, being pressed to death by sweaty nerds, that's not how I want to go out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Tim Verning, you know Tim, he's pretty heavy into the board games. Oh, super nice guy, and too. And so he posted that up on Twitter and snaked it from him. Yeah, that's on Ars Technica. Go ahead and take a look at that if you're looking at what's really capturing the majority of 200,000 people over at the Essen, Essen Spiel um, conference, convention. Uh, third one, Hermetic Gamer, or as I know him as Professor Chris, he happened to, he's a local guy. I've known Chris for 15 years now. He uh, he teaches at the lo local Madison College here. But when I first met him, I asked him what his dissertation was on. And I think it's titled Encounters at the Imaginal Crossroads. And it's uh, it has to do with women in gaming. And I, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this before, but it was brought up in a conversation um, when we met at Gamehole Con. A couple other folks brought it up. And uh, he wanted to put it out there in case somebody wanted to look at it. So we, we put it up on our forums. I have a link in the show notes. It's one, it, He's surprised at how many people actually have downloaded over the years. Um, but, yeah, if you're interested in taking a look at that, imagine doing your dissertation on something on gaming. Some of us have been lucky to do that. So, Jesus, wow. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> my, horse getting, horse, my horse is getting voice again. Well, again, old school essentials. We'll put a link in the show notes from that. That's what Kojo's son was referencing uh, earlier in the show. And then the last one, I just want to give a shout out to our uh, buddy, Mark Hunt, who works or works, lives in Iowa. We've met Mark. We were big fans of his on Google Plus, and uh, we've ran into him at Gary Con. He's finally put out Gangbusters, the BX version, our awesome. drive through. He is just, he is just a big fan of Gangbusters, um, and now he's put that out there. I've played with Mark at GaryCon and the Gangbusters game. 
Um, I don't remember exactly what the rule set was at that time. I don't know if he was actually running an older rule set or the original, um, but he's done the the BX version. So if you're everybody I know who's played with Mark Hunt loves it. Yeah. He's 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 awesome. Yeah, and the super nice guy, like just oh my phenomenally God. nice guy. So if you get a chance to um, play with Mark, he doesn't go to a lot of conventions. Um, but, but if you get a chance, go out to drive through as we'll put a link, check it out. If you're a Gangbusters fan, if that's something you're interested in at all, take a look. It's it's good stuff. It's at number four for best selling titles. And I think he probably dropped it, I want to say in the last week. Like it's not nice. it hasn't even been out there that long. So congratulations, that's Mark, awesome. on, on your I know that's been a long time coming for you, buddy. So I'm glad that's out there. Yes. Well, I think that's it for this show. Brett, what are we talking about next week? Well, man, I want to keep on a theme here. Sean, you and I have been wanting to talk about kind of what's next in gaming, right? So what do I want to see? What am I looking for in the next big thing? What's the what's the thing that we're not seeing in games that we want to see? That's what I'm thinking about. Or I'll change my mind at the last minute. I'll make Sean talk about cats or something. I don't know. If I meow. Know. We'll figure it out. Meow, meow. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for everybody that showed up to Game Hole Con. And for those that didn't, we hope you can make it some other time. And if you can't, Thanks for listening to the show. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game, all. This episode of Gaming NBS brought to you with the help from the following BSers. Graham Miner, Hawk Sparrow, Corey Wynn, Larry Hout, Mark Tasaka, Pure Mongrel, Chris Steele, Ron Bishop, Thomas Hook, Wayne Humphrey, Craig, Brandon Barnes, Laramie Wall, Dan LaValle, Jason Hobbs, Guy, John Hammersley, Old School DM, Perry Besor, Michael Dinos, Jim Fitzpatrick, Christopher Gray, Bruce Cunnington, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Eileen Barnes, Robert Nemeth, Niall Diamond, Howard Bishop, Stephen Dragonspawn, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Eric Salzwedo, Trevor Davis, The Closet Gamer, Jeff Goad, Aaron Coleman, Ray Otis, C.W. Mellencamp, Craig Huber, Rich Wishon, Old Scouser Roleplaying, Jared Rasher, Andy Hall, David Balog, Harrigan, Melissa Bashinsky, Brian Rumble, Henry Newcomb, Eric Talbola, Hus Carl, Roger Brasslett, Chad Gleyman, Finolf, Josh Wallace, Merkel Froelich, Joe Swick, Curtis Takahashi, Kevin Lovecraft, Annie Olson, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Jeff Seifert, and Aaron Ralia. For ways to support the show, head over to gamingnbs.com forward slash support dash us. Thanks, BSers. This has been a Litterbox Studio production. production.